Hello, and welcome to Bobby and Yen's presented by Zwift. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore. Like the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands and my personal favorite route, the Mega Pretzel on Watopia. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Well, I think I mentioned it before, but American football and especially the Denver Broncos are my favorite things to watch on TV. I think you grow up rooting for the team that plays closest to you or that maybe your parents support, but any fan of American football loved watching our guests that we have on today. Some would say that he had a gunslinger personality, but the way he played and inspired a new generation of players where if you don't have that Farvesque style somewhere in your repertoire, you're going to have your work cut out for you in the NFL. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please turn up your volume and enjoy our great conversation with the one and only Brett Favre. Okay, everyone, uh, very special. Special guest today, very honored to have him uh, on Bobby and Yen's presented by Swift, Super Bowl champ, Pro Football Hall of Fame member, and most importantly, in our little world, an avid cyclist, Mr. Brett Favre. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I would consider myself an avid cyclist, so um, my football days are over. I got to do something to stay in shape. So then let's just dive right into the, the cycling What or how does your perfect day on a bike look like? Are you prefer to ride alone? You like company with your friends? You do an hour, you do 10 hours a day. What's your perfect day on a bike? Well, just to give you uh, an example, I, I did 20 miles a couple hours ago. I, and I really, I went by myself. I was trying to beat the rain, which I did barely. Um, on On average... Any given week, I probably go 120 to 140 miles. That that could be five rides. That could be four. Some cases three. Um, that's kind of my goal. I, you know, I don't I don't really necessarily have a goal, but I just I shoot for 120 to 140. Um, most of those rides are with someone. Uh, there's usually a group ride every Saturday morning. Um, it's kind of disintegrated this time of year. Everyone's got something going on. Um, but it, it's a good cycling community. Um, there's, there's good, there's a, a, a great bike trail here in town, but most people will start on the bike trail and get off. And you, you just kind of know what roads are safer or less traveled, uh, than others. And so, uh, it's pretty flat here, uh, Very few hills, uh, and the ones we have are, you know, I, I, I'm reluctant to call them tough. But I'm 230 pounds. Any hill going up is a, is a chore. I bike with people. Uh, if, if I'm in a pinch, I go by myself. 
I tell you, everybody used biking for for different re- ways, different reasons. But um, tell us a little. I mean, w- as a high school player, college football, NFL. Were you already cycling to use it for conditioning or rehabilitation, or is this more of like a retirement project? No, you know, it, it started, my wife got me a, a bike, um, I would say, with about five or six years left in my career. Uh, so so for me, I played 20 years. So say, let's say year 14, she got me a bike. She was doing triathlons. She still does. She's done uh, Ironman. She's done half Ironman. So obviously, biking is a, is a big part of that. And she, she yeah, you know, her her thought was, it's something we can do together. So I don't know of many guys that bike um, to train for football. And I'm not saying it 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 is or it isn't, you know, a, a good way to train. I just you know, I, I had a bike growing up, but I never used it. And, you know, I, my training in football was weights, off-season weights, uh, various type sprints, You know, really not long-distance running, which I wasn't a long-distance runner anyway. Um, and and I was like I, – I, I didn't necessarily say this to her, but to myself, I'm like, what am I going to do with a bike? And I, that bike sat there till probably, I, th- I think, year 19, between year 19 and year 20. So going into my last year, I was beat up. I'd had three ankle surgeries. That being said, uh, in, in comparison to other guys, especially that had played remotely close to what I played, they were a lot more beat up, bad knees, hips, you know, you name it. So relatively speaking, I was, I was, I felt pretty good. So, but I didn't, I got to a point where I didn't feel like running. I didn't feel like doing stadiums. I didn't. And I, so I, I told Deanna, my wife, I said, look, I'll go out and bike with you. I said, how far are you going? She said, I'll probably do 20 today. And I said, 20 miles. Are you kidding me? I said, there's no way in hell I'm doing 20 miles. So she said, trust me, you can do it. I said, all right, I'll give it a try. So I, I put on like regular just canvas shorts. She said, you got to put on the biking shorts I got you. I said, I'm not wearing them damn biking shorts. There's no way in hell I'm wearing biking. She goes, okay, you're going you're gonna to wish you listened to me. So at five miles, I said, I'm turning around. I said, I've, I've had enough. Um, my everything in my lower anatomy was killing me deservingly so and and i just she's kicking ass i mean i thought i thought she was hauling ass but really what she she was just coasting you know um and so i turned around i ended up doing 10 miles i i said i'm never doing that again and slowly but surely i kind of transitioned um and not so much any more that you know that off season, but as soon as I retired, I got the bike out. We rode some. I got biking shorts. I kind of you know it's one of those things you just. And I think we're all alpha males to a certain extent, and and you want to be good at it right away. And what that looks like, I think it varies with every person. I you know I wanted to to uh, 
to keep up with everybody. If I'm gonna ride in a group, I wanna keep up with them. And I got dropped so many times. I'd hear people say, don't get dropped. And I didn't know what that meant. Well, you're 25 miles out in the country and you're by yourself. You're like, where'd everybody go? That I learned quickly that was dropped. So I slowly but surely graduated into a better cyclist. By no means am I going to win any any Tour de France's, but you know, now I consider myself not an expert, but you know, much like my wife, I, I give advice to people who are trying to slow, like my brother, I got him a bike and he's done the same exact thing that I did. He rode it a couple of times and it's got cobwebs all over it now. So uh, I'm trying to get him to knock the dust off of it and get back out. But, you know, it's one of those things, once you get into it, you kind of get hooked. You, you know, it's something you can do for life. What I always liked about uh, going out on group rides is that the cycling kit, the cycling clothes, it's a big equalizer, you know? You could be a CEO or a facility manager. You could be Brad Favre or just a student. On the bike, we're all the same. We chat to each other. We're all equals. That's a part I always uh, enjoyed about, about the group rides. Yeah, you're all equal until someone kicks it into high gear and then you find out who's equal and who's not equal. And that's kind of what I like about the group, group rides. Again, this is a pretty big cycling community. Um, and there's some, I, I found if you're 140 to 175 pounds and you're thin, you got a good chance of being fast on the bike. Now, if every ride that we, we did was downhill, I would kick everybody's ass, <laughs> but that's not the case. But if you kind of, It's a good way, to, I guess the best way I can put it, it's a good way to stay competitive while staying in shape and and not have to necessarily kill yourself for it. I mean, if you want to you push it, by all means, push it. If you don't feel like doing it that day, then just, you know, make it an easy ride. So uh, it's it's got a little bit of everything in it. So I, I saw during the summer that you rode with, with Lance and George Kincappy up there in Aspen on your road bike. Is road bike your, your bike of choice or have you gotten into gravel or, or mountain biking? You know, I'm, I'm strictly a road. I, I, I haven't tried gravel. Uh, my wife does it some. Uh, she got me a mountain bike. I, I did a, maybe a couple mountain bike rides. And, you know, and again, here there's not, there's not mountains there's there's some you know makeshift little little off the beaten path routes that some people do but i found that the, the the two times i did it i'm at an age where i know i can get get in trouble in a hurry mountain biking and that's road biking you can if you bike period you're going to wreck at some point but mountain biking you're almost setting yourself up for it, it sooner rather than later. And I'm like, you know, I just don't have it in me. I, I, I can jump in a pace line and, and try to hang on. I, I feel more comfortable doing that than hairpin turns, going over a little wood rickety bridge um, and, and breaking, the, you know, a collarbone or something. So I really just stick to road biking. So from from your memory of uh, a football player, I mean, there were a lot of people that tried to tackle you down compared uh, to cycling. I, I believe every cyclist has crashed at least once or twice. What's worse, B 
being tackled down by the defense line or crashing on the bike? Or can you just not compare these two? Well, in, to, to a certain extent, you can compare. Um, I, my worst wreck, I've had probably three that I would say, you know, that left marks or, you know, I didn't have surgery. But one, I, I separated my shoulder, had some really bad road rash uh, and was bruised up pretty good. But that's probably about the, the extent of, of my football injuries, too. I mean, you know, I've had twisted ankles and things like that. I broke my my, my thumb in a game. Um, you know, I've had quad contusions and, and things like con concussions. Um, but that's that was usually – in every game you got hit at least once where you went, damn, that didn't feel good. Not every time you bike. That's the case. Thank goodness, or I wouldn't do it. You know, I always tell people that, that I don't mind biking if it's 40 degrees. I got gear that that I can put on that I, I feel comfortable with. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's like super windy and it's 30 degrees and I, and I got a trainer. I, I said, I'll just do the trainer. The guys, they'll, they'll bust my balls and say, oh, you, you went out and played football in it? I said, football paid a lot better. In, in oh, fact, yeah. biking pays me nothing. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to push it, whether it be weather or see what I'm made of on any particular day. But I do have my limitations. I, I'm just I got to say this. Uh, I'm totally impressed with your cycling vernacular so far. You know, road rash, hairpins, pace line. Um, good on you for for learning all that stuff. I mean, I, I try to get Jens to understand the world of American football, and he does watch the Super Bowl from time to time. But um, you got he thinks that counts as an avid American football. Yeah, yeah. One day a year, he gets up and watches the Super Bowl. But mm -hmm. that's the worst one to watch. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, when you were playing and under contract, I mean, there were a lot of things that I'm sure you couldn't do or weren't allowed to do. But what were some of the sacrifices that you had to make back in the day that you can actually enjoy now other than being with the family and the bicycle? Like, was could you actually, back when you were under contract, play, you know, go on a mountain bike ride or go on a road ride? Or was that discouraged? Yeah, that, that, that was allowed. Um, I don't know what it's like today uh, with contracts, but um, I, I could have biked if I, if I chose. Of course, I, you know, I, I told you, you know, my, my history of biking during football, but, you know, snow skiing, things like that, water skiing were, uh, were strongly discouraged. I didn't do them, didn't want to do them. I grew up on the water, never water skied. I didn't, I, we, we never took vacations and that was my fault until after I retired. Now we like, you know, you mentioned Aspen. We go to Aspen in the summer or we go somewhere in the summer. Uh, usually mountain related, and we, we try to go somewhere to ski every every winter. And Deanna and I usually just hang out in the lodge and and just may, I may try it one day. We've taken lessons, we've done the whole shooting match, and we suck. So, it, it, you know, back when I was playing, that wasn't on my radar. When when the season was over, I wanted to come back home. We got 465 acres. I enjoy just doing stuff out here. Um, 
it keeps me busy and, and it, I kind of got away from the hustle and bustle of the, you know, uh, of the football life. And, and so I never really was, uh, was in a situation where I had to ask or, or cross the line without anyone knowing. I, I, I usually just, you know, I come home, maybe I hunt, maybe I fish, maybe I ride the tractor. You know, now it's, it's kind of the same, but I incorporated biking into, to what I do every day. So, uh, Brad, in, in your uh, football days, you uh, holding the record of the most consecutive consecutive games, 297. Well, what made what made you so durable? What made you so reliable? Did you take care of yourself, or you just built super strong? You were just lucky by nature, or what? What was it? I think I think a, a little bit of everything is certainly the things you mentioned. Um, I, I, you know, some people don't believe in luck. I think there's a certain amount of luck that was involved. You, you could, I, I was in Green Bay for the majority of my career. I could have slipped on ice walking out of the house and, and torn an ACL. It happens. Um, so from that standpoint, I was lucky. I, I worked exceptionally hard. I, I would like to think I worked harder than anyone else in my position at my craft. That doesn't mean I was better, but I think physically you have to be gifted to a certain extent. Uh, you have to be, to be durable. You have to be, you have to be tough. You have to be hard headed. You have to be willing to play with injuries. Um, and I, I played with so many guys that were, that were hurt and an injury that maybe I had three weeks prior and I didn't miss a game and they would miss. And it wasn't for me to say that it didn't hurt them as bad as it hurt me or vice versa. Um, I just was willing to give it a shot. Um, and, you know, I think, I think being hard-headed played a big part of it. Um, I was determined to not come out of the game because I got my start. A guy in front of me when I was a backup twisted his ankle against the Cincinnati Bengals in the second quarter. I'll never forget. And I was put in the game. And I was raw. I didn't know the offense completely. I had zero reps uh, with, with the first unit. And I sort of played like that throughout the game. I, there was a lot, some flashes of, wow, that's why we got this guy. And then there were some other incidences where you go, what in the hell is he doing? But I, I endured that game. And I'm sure the quarterback that I replaced thought, He'll screw it up in a couple of weeks or next week, and I'll be back in. And 20 years later, I was still playing. So, um, you know, luck, hard work, discipline, hard-headed, um, willing to, to, to give it a shot. I broke my thumb on my throwing hand. You know, I guess for, in relation to cycling, you tear a hamstring or you break a, a foot. You're pretty much not going to – racing the Tour de France and be, you, you, you may go out and do a, a you know, a, just a, a, an easy, slow ride by yourself just to see what you can do, but you're not going to compete in a major event. I wouldn't think, but I was willing to do that. I was willing to go in to the, to the next week's game. Maybe when I broke my thumb the following week, we played on Monday night football against the Minnesota Vikings. 
Everyone was going to watch, and it was my throwing hand, and I had zero idea how I would play with a broken thumb on my throwing hand, but yet was willing to give it a shot. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus for less than a dollar a week. You can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. And now back to our chat with Brad. I'm interested from the nutritional side. I know probably by now you know that fueling on the bike is is super important, not only for performance, but overall enjoyment, right? Like you don't want to go out there and get halfway done and bonked off your face and just really hate it the rest of the time. But two questions. What was your like pregame meal back in the day? You probably called it carb loading. We call it priming nowadays. Um, what was your your pregame carbo loading meal when you were playing? And what is kind of like your priming meal prior to like a big ride? Like I heard that you did the triple bypass this year. Like, do you look at the nutrition just as important as as everything else? Well, I'm beginning to because uh, I. You mentioned bonking. That's happened to me several times. And and I'll just kind of give you a, a, as brief a, a, a history. When I played, even though I retired 10, 11 years ago, which is not that long ago, the the transition into from, from, from football itself, the way guys train, the way the trainers are training them, the way they approach their their – the training table, the meals, the snacks. Not all guys adhere to it uh, like like most do. But back when I played, you know, it was nothing to eat a snicker bar at halftime or on the sideline uh, or drink a Coke at halftime or drink a Coke before a game. Now, I like a Coke, you know, at the halfway point of a 60-mile, it's hotter than hell. Or when I get done, I crave a Coke, but, uh, but that's different. But uh, like pregame meal for me, and, and I, was, I, I played with so many linemen over 20 years, and you would think that these guys would eat like, you know, like a horse. Most of them were picky eaters, not because they were watching what they ate. They didn't want to look or feel lethargic. They, they were nervous, and they would throw it back up. I never got nervous. I would eat like a, for a 12 o'clock game, we usually had pregame meal about 7.30. I would have like three pancakes. I would have an omelet. I would have bacon. I would have a bowl of oatmeal, um, maybe some hash browns all together, not one of each or, or one one Sunday and one. I would eat all of that. And, and usually guys would sit at my table and they would 
you got to tell a, a new guy, you got to watch what this guy eats. It's incredible. And um, so I didn't necessarily pay a lot of attention into what I put in, what I should be putting in like I do with the bike now. And I'm, it, it's still a work in progress as far as biking, because I kind of went into biking with the same, I don't want to say thought process, but just, just kind of the general perception that I had with football. I played 20 years, had a pretty good career. I ate and drank what I wanted. You know, uh, if, if we were playing in Tampa Bay and it was early in the season, I knew it was going to be hot and humid. I grew up in Mississippi. So I would drink Gatorade like two or three days or some type of electrolyte drink two or three days out in, in advance to try to combat the, the cramps. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think the physical, genetical makeup is different with everyone. And some guy can drink 10 Powerades and still cramp. And the next guy can drink one Powerade, never cramp. I'm one of those that no matter what I do, I still cramp, uh, which leads me to the triple bypass. I think the last year and especially the six months leading up to the ride, I was worried sick, not that I wouldn't finish, but that I, I wouldn't finish because, not because my stomach was upset. My stomach never gets upset. I know it bothers other people. They, they, they eat something wrong on the bike or they drink something that doesn't agree with them and, and they have an upset stomach. That's never bothered me. Cramps is where I get uh, issues. Um, and I had zero cramps during the triple bypass. I didn't try to break any speed records. I averaged 11 miles per hour. It took me eight hours and 51 minutes. I stopped at every rest stop. The first one I didn't eat, I, I had in my my pouch, I had a couple of figs. I had one uh, one little small bar. I can't even remember the name of it. And and it was 43 at the start. And I think here here's where the, uh, I, I, I lucked out. Mississippi, usually every summer ride, you know, four or five rides a week, it's friggin' hot and humid. My shoes are soaking wet. When I'm done, I can pour, you know, two pounds of sweat out of it. I can wring my shorts out and fill up a, a you know, a 16 ounce bottle. Um, and so, yeah, if you, if you don't replace that or combat it before you get out there, you're going to cramp. And then you, you know, then you're going to get dropped. So, it was 43 at the start of the triple bypass. When you got in the sun, and as the, the, the middle of, we started at 6:30, it got a little warmer. But I never really broke a sweat. Now I drank. Um, I, I ate at some of the rest stops. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I did fine. In fact, when I finished, I. I said to myself, I could actually ride 10 more miles. So not that I, but all the 60 mile rides we do, the group rides on Saturday mornings in the summer, I don't think I ever finished and said I could ride 10 more miles. I'm lucky I finished. And usually the last with the, usually with 15 miles left on all those group rides, I start cramping my calves, my hamstrings, my growing. And, and I, I for the life of me, I can't figure out what I need to do or what I'm not doing because I drink electrolytes two days before. I'm, I'm taking salt tablets. Uh, I'm eating on the bike. I, I'm bringing electrolyte packs, uh, goo, uh, you name it. But 
I haven't figured it out yet. But I believe you must have had an enormous feeling of being proud or uh, like accomplishment after you finished that triple bypass ride, right? I mean, that, that was your longest day on the bike, wasn't it? By far, by far. The furthest ride I'd done prior to that was 76 miles. It was a tranquil ride. I didn't want to do it. There's one of, one of the cycling guys that's in our group. Is, it was his 76th birthday. Um, and he wanted everybody to ride 76 miles with him. And it was flat. No one was trying. Everybody stayed. His name's Louie. Everyone stayed with Louie. And um, I was ready to get off the bike. But I wasn't, you know, I was, we, it wasn't like you were trying to stay up with the group. So when, when we signed up for the triple bypass, there was a couple other buddies that, that signed up. It wasn't my idea, but, uh, you know, they said, let's, let's do triple bypass. And I was like, all right. Yeah. So I knew I had to, I had to train. I didn't get a coach. I didn't do I, all. I, 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 I looked at the ride and I, I looked at the elevation, looked at how far it was. And, I knew one thing that it would be a better climate than I than here, F favorable to me. Low humidity, uh, yeah. Altitude can bother some. It's never bothered me, uh, and it didn't bother me in, in this case. But I wanted to finish, and I wanted to finish. Uh, my goal was to 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 average ten miles per hour. Better would be great, but I said, look. 10 miles per hour is going to be going to be pushing. And I ended up averaging 11 miles per hour. Um, and so I got I got done sooner than I, I had planned on. Um, yeah, it was a long time on the bike. Um, my my butt, you know, was telling me, all right, I've had enough. But again, I wasn't sweating. You don't get chafed. You don't get raw. Um, I wasn't I, you going up the hills like the second the second pass was four and a half mile, I mean, excuse me, four and a half hour climb. And I tell people here, I'm like, our biggest climb around here is like six minutes. I said, I want you to think about that. Four and a half hours of climbing. I think I averaged four miles per hour on that climb. You know, there'd be people passing me. I would pass people. There were people walking their bikes. I never got off my bike except for the rest area. And when someone passed me, I said, better them than me. You know, let them have it. I'm, I, all I wanted to do was finish, you know, and they give you the same thing, whether you finish first or last, you know. So I just, I wanted to finish and, and I did, I did well. You know, again, I, I don't want to make excuses because it's not an excuse, but 230 pounds, I thought I'd be the biggest in the ride. There were a couple of guys that were like, I took a picture with a guy who was like 6'6", 300. I'm like, and you can finish? He said, this is like my third time to do it. So that gave me a little, we, we met before the ride. And I said, well, hell, if he can do it, I can do it. And I did it. So, yeah, I, I was, it wasn't the same feeling as winning a Super Bowl. But it was different, but, but, Very rewarding, uh, very rewarding. I don't mind telling people all about the ride. That, that's such an awesome story. Um, and from my 50,000 foot view here, uh, listening to when you cramp and when you don't, um, I think it boils down to pace 
because you you fueled correctly and you probably fuel correctly for your ones down in Mississippi as well. But like pacing, like every endurance event should be about pacing. But when you're out there with your buddies on those group rides, I mean, it's when I try to it's a mile forty five and I'm st- I'm trying to hang on for dear life. Right, right. You know, you're you're overshooting. We call it a little bit. So, so what I need to do? Train differently. Train for that that specific moment or more electrolytes. You know, or, or just give it up. No, no, never give it up. And electrolytes are are good to a certain level, but I think you need to um, you know get more comfortable with that pace or know that when that pace is above your limit, you being a very competitive person, you you need to check the ego at the door. And that is the hardest thing. Like I I raced my bike a long time. Then I went into coaching and I, I have to say, I, I put on a lot of weight, lost a lot of condition. And when I came here to Greenville, South Carolina, five years ago and started riding with uh, George Hincapie and Christian Van and like our, our cycling crew, and they never really retired. They never put on weight. They look pretty much the same right now as when they stepped off the bike when they retired. And I said to myself, if I try to keep up with them, A, I'm going to hate biking because biking, when you're going harder or longer than you want to go, is not enjoyable. So you got to pick those buddies that you know support you when you get dropped. You know, they wait for you at the next uh, the next stoplight or the next uh, stop sign or on the top of the hill or at the bottom of the climb and just ride, ride your pace. And eventually, you know, th- that gap, you know, like the gap between Christian and George and myself closed. And now I just ride my bike for the pleasure of it. So I know like when we were racing and when you were playing football, placing and wins were all that mattered. But now you're not trying, like you said, you're not trying to train for the Tour de France. You're trying to have fun with your buddies. But as long as you keep that fueling correct and that pacing correct, that pleasure is going to be your reward. And no one in this world likes cramping. I did a ride with George over the weekend and um, he may have overshot or underfueled, and he got done and we all had a smile on our face and he could just think about like, how poor he felt. He was still in the front group with us. So, you know, boo hoo hoo, crying me a river. But like, you know, those those are the things. It's more about pacing instead of placing and pleasure instead of pain. I mean, you had enough pain in your career. I mean, Jens and I definitely did. But getting out there and spending time with your friends and promoting the sport. And I love what you said about, you know, helping people and and inspiring more people to get on the bike. I mean, that's why Jens and I are here. I know that's what a lot of guys that are retired do. We're not out there trying to prove a point. We're out there trying to get more people involved in in the sport. And saying that, like you were involved in one of the, you know, you were the highest of highest levels as a quarterback in, in my opinion, the best sport in the world. Like pro football, American football is like my passion. And Jens can tell you how many times I've you know, jumped up and down. But how, from, from that standpoint of being involved in such a popular sport and now having the passion for cycling, do you have any ideas off the top of your head that if we included would make cycling more 
interesting to you, more interesting to young boys and girls, more interested in, you know, into the general population here in America? I, I, I always ask this question to people that aren't involved in the sport because we always have these blinders on and these limiters. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. But just something as easy as having a number on your back, like you had number four, you know, on your back as a pro, like, and people associated number four with Brett Favre. But would that work in cycling or is there any other idea that you would have that would make this sport a little bit more popular or a little bit more um, interesting to normal American sports fans? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I really have never thought about it, but I, but, but as you, as you were asking that, I, I just, what thought came to mind was, um, the younger generation, you know, if they see you biking, you know, like I have to admit before I, I started biking, I'd see a cyclist on the on the main road. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't try to run them off the road, but I'm sure there's some people that do, but they shouldn't be on the road. Well, it's like my wife said, bikes, bikes and cyclists have every bit uh, the right of way as cars do. They, you know, they can be on the road just, you know, but some people don't know that. Some people have zero knowledge about biking and I think for kids, if it's, it, you know, it's like if they see their, their hero or they see people biking that maybe they look up to or, uh, or, or just know, period, you know, like, oh, I can't believe Uncle Joe's out biking. It must be kind of cool. And, and, um, you know, I, 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 I don't remember really any football players before I started biking really uh, retired or present that that biked or were into it. But there are a lot now. Um, there are a lot of non-cyclists that 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 cycle. Um, you know, not everybody is George Hincappy or Lance Armstrong or or Yens um, that that have done it competitively. Um, but they have done it, have done stuff competitively in, in other facets of their life. Uh, you know, Bo, Bo Jackson has Bo Bikes Bama. We've done, done four, I think, four or five rides of, uh, of his. And uh, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me who shows up there that actually, oh, you bike too. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And, and it just becomes, becomes more cool to do it. And I know it's, that's not why you want to do it, but – as far as getting people involved, I think that's what it has to become. Um, that it's cool. Bo Jackson bikes, but then I can bike then. You know, to me, that's the best way to do it. I also believe um, cycling is a very good sport for athletes coming from other sports because it is so much less brutal on the body. You know, on the bike, you don't twist your ankle. You don't get tackled, Right. Um, if you stay on the bike, you know, it, your body weight is supported by the seat you sit on. So it's a lot easier than running. So I believe for a lot of retired pros of all sports, cycling is a very good sport. Maybe we need to promote that message better. Cycling is a pretty healthy sport. And just like you started at our talk, you can do it also with your wife. 
with your children or with your parents. Yeah, or, you know, with your buddies, you want to be competitive. Um, you're, you're past your prime as far as your basketball days or your football days. Or, or It's sort of like golf. You can do it as long as your body will allow you to do it. With, and you're not really expediting any, any injuries that uh, are lingering. So, um, you know, you can golf forever. You can, you can, I told you about Louie. And I mean, you guys probably have tons of people that you could say, yeah, our Louie is this guy or this lady, you know, 82 and, and, uh, keeps up with the group, you know, um, and you go, well, I'm hoping that's me someday. You, you know, I, I never said, I hope I play, I'm playing football when I'm 75. That, I mean, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. But I do want to try to stay in shape and be active as long as I possibly can. How long will that be? Remains to be seen. But cycling is one of those things that you can do practically your whole lifetime. The the story that I like most is, you know, right now we want, you know, e-bikes are a big thing, you know, inclusion and just overall enjoyment of the sport. And you said that you got into cycling from your wife. A lot of the guys that we ride with now, they're getting their wives e-bikes so that they can, like you said, do it, do it together. And, you know, that that's just like a beautiful thing. You know, everybody coming together, spending time out on the bicycle. And it's just funny that like you kind of your wife kind of flipped the script. She got the bike so that you could actually spend time with her. Most people get a bike or an e-bike so that their wives can spend time with them because yeah, I mean, biking takes up a lot of time. I don't know about you, but you know, you get ready for the bike ride. You do the bike ride, you know, you come home, you wash your bike, you know, you, you have a little recovery meal. Maybe you have to take a little nap. I mean, I look back to when we were racing and, you know, it was a four to eight hour day most of the time. And not to say that, it, it's a it's a it's a full time thing. So getting getting everyone like like you said a little bit more understanding, improving that enjoyment, taking down those barriers of you know hey what are these cycling shorts like? That's the biggest hurdle that you have when you're getting a new friend into cycling is I don't want to wear that stuff. But I mean I'm telling you if if Brett Favre and and um, all these ex pro football players and athletes you know we had Reggie Miller on the podcast last. Year, and I was just blown away to see how excited he is about biking. Like I couldn't ask him a single basketball question because he's like, that's my day job. I, I talk about that all the time. I want to talk about biking now. And, you know, one of my like dreams of being a, a I'll, I'll say it, I'm a Denver Bronco fan. And, you know, I know, I know uh, Super Bowl 32 was a, was a big one for us, for me, but, you know, my dream of when I was in the tour, you know, especially when I was riding well in 97 and 98 was I'd get back and I'd be like, man, I know those guys, those pro football players are at training camp right now. I wonder if any of them are watching the Tour de France. I wonder if any of them know my name because I know all your guys' name. I, like I said, it's my, my favorite sport to, to watch. But man, if we can get more people in America on bikes, you know, yes, yeah, cyclists pay taxes too. That's one of the biggest things that, you know, people yell at you when you're, when you're riding, you know, you guys don't pay any taxes, but, but, you know, you Brett Favre riding your bike, what is, what was, or like the number one craziest 
like encounter that you had on the road with with a motorist? I mean, this lady uh, uh, where I'm sitting, if I drew a straight line to the south uh, on one of these backcountry roads that I've ridden, I rode it today. And honestly, I don't remember if a car or a truck came down that road. Now, there probably are times when it's a little busier. There's probably, there's probably two. It's, it's uh, like 1.8 miles long. It's a country road. And I think there's two houses on it. And, you know, there's, you never see people outside hanging out or stuff like that. So, um, so you never see anyone. It's a good road to ride. It's, it's a paved road. So me and a buddy were riding that road one day, as we always do. And this old, just beat up truck comes around and it's making God awful noise. And it comes around us and kind of gets even with us. And I'm not paying attention. And then all of a sudden just floors the gas, just takes off. And I'm like, what an idiot. I didn't see who was in it. I didn't really care. I'm like, what an idiot. So we, we topped the hill and as soon as we topped the hill, this truck is waiting on the side of the road. And I didn't know if it was waiting on, I, I, I honestly, at the time I thought, uh, you know, they're getting out, walking, you know, into the woods or whatever. I, I, I didn't know. But the woman, it's a woman driving. She pulls out in front of us and just stops. And I kind of lag back. I let my buddy go for it. I'm like, this woman's crazy. I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. She looked and I hate to, you know, she looked like she was on something. Um, and, and she was mad at the world. And, and there, here's two bikers trying to be healthy. You know, I, you know, all these things are going through your mind and, um, she, she's not going to let us pass. So again, I lag back, but I'm still kind of coasting. And my buddy's like, Hey, what's your problem? And so they start, uh, yelling at each other and she was cursing him like crazy. And then she, she's like, you know, screw you. And she backs up and she goes into the ditch and she kind of gets stuck. And so she's now she's pissed that she's stuck. And I'm watching all this. Now I stop my bike. I'm like, I don't want to get run over. So I unclip. And I, I'm waiting to see what happened. And she she finally gets unstuck and like peels out like fishtails on the road, almost loses control. And um, I'm like, good gosh, you know, I can see where. And we didn't do anything. It wasn't like we pulled out in front of her. Um, we just happened to be in the wrong place at the right time, um, it, you know, as far as her. Uh, and I had an altercation with an older gentleman who was actually herding cows across the road, not far from the road that I'm telling you about. I see cattle, uh, say 20 cows maybe, or, or I didn't know if they were, they got out, but this road that I'm riding, there's cows usually on both sides of the road in a fence. So not in common, but to see them out, I was like, huh. and it, I had, it was a little bit of a climb to get to it. So I'm going real slow. I'm like, what's going on here? So then I see this guy in a truck on the other side of the road. It's a, there's a curve. And what he was doing was he was trying to herd cows from one side of the fence, cross the road to the other side. And so when I get up close to the cows, they start kind of, kind of trotting. Um, 
and they don't run in the gate. They take off down the road. Well, I don't want to get run over. Now I've got cows behind me, cows to the left, cows to the right, cows in front of me that are hauling ass. So I, I'm like, what, you know, do I stop? Would, you know, I know they've never seen a biker before and they're trying to get herded from one side to the other. So I just kind of goose it a little bit. And, and there, there's two cows that still are in front of me and they get off on the left side of the road and I'm trying to get past them. And about that time, this truck comes zooming by and, and it's this old man and he stops kind of like the woman did stops in the road. And I physically had to stop and unclip. And he starts yelling at me, cursing at me. This was this year. I'm by myself. He's like 70 years old. He's like, you effing uh, screwed up. I'm trying to get my cows in the fence. And here you are. If you'd have just friggin' waited. I'm like, hey, you, you don't have to be an asshole. Um, and he's like, hey, F you. And I'm like, hey, F you. <laughs> and then he takes off. And then I take off. And I was like. I could have, I could have broke every segment uh, for, for the next thirty miles. I was so heated. I, uh, you know what a what a bad day you must be having, or I hate the world. Um, I've had some close calls with people, and you don't know if they're purposely zooming right close to you because most people give you a wide berth. They come around. You know, some people honk. Some some people, you know, hey looking good or whatever, but every once in a while you can feel the wind from the, from the side view mirror that, um, and, and you wonder, is it someone just saying, you know, I'll show you because that you're flirting with death right there as the rider and as the driver too, because what if you just, you know, for whatever reason you're talking to someone and you just swerve over, it happens all the time in the bike and that, that person's just going to zoom by you just to, to teach you a lesson. Um, I've had some very close calls in that regard. I'm sure we, we all, we all could probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, um, what, what bikers, what drivers don't know is listen, you, you hit us, you win. There's no tie. There's no second quarter. Like it's over. And, um, a couple of years ago, I started to see the fear a little bit more. And I got not only a rear tail light as the radar, but also a front light. And man, I tell you, I cannot ride my bike without that now. It, if you would have told me, if Jens would have told me you know, four or five years ago that I'd be riding around with a little radar light and a flashy light on the front, I would have called him crazy. But nowadays, you know, there's a lot more people out on the roads. There's a lot more people wanting to bike and having that as, as a safety um, device is, is really changed, um, especially with roads, like you said, that are narrow or don't have shoulders. And yeah, we have, we cyclists have a, an obligation to stay as far to the side of the road as possible. But, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, you know, doing this to Brett Favre, just imagine the the normal 130 pound cyclist. You know, they they probably even bow up a little bit more to them. But uh, yeah, be safe out there, people. There's no no doubt about it. There's no way you're going to win in any sort of traffic altercation. Hey, um, uh, Brett. Um, the question I've been waiting to ask you. Um, I remember you told me the story about your first pass you did throw and who caught it. 
would you be willing to share that story with our listeners? Remember, you told me at the track 100. Yeah, please, please let it out. We're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm, I'm a backup quarterback. It was the second game of the year, my first year in Green Bay. Um, I have not com I have not thrown a pass in a regular season game. Um, quite frankly, I really hadn't played in a regular season game. So we're we're getting beat uh, thirty five to seven or something. I mean, at halftime, and so our head coach Mike Holmgren tells me at halftime he's pissed. You're going in. You're going in. Not that he thought I was going to lead us to victory. We we were god awful that day and i don't I, even if i was was on on par i don't think we could have won we we couldn't stop him but anyway he says you're going in so i said great so he calls a a, a pass the first play a, a relatively harmless easy completion if there is, if there is one i fake i roll out to the right so I get away from the rush, and I just dink a little pass to the fullback who's sliding out into the flat. I, I, when he called the play, I go. I, I remember thinking, yes, easy completion. You know, way to, good start. It's, it's going to be a good start. So I, I fake. I roll out to the right. There's a, there's a defender between me and the receiver. And this is how experience – and, you know, when people say, well, you know, he's learned from experience and he's gotten better. He's more experienced now. Things like this are, are good examples of how um, how you learn. So, I, you know, I've never run this play in a regular season game. I've never thrown a regular season pass ever. So there is no experience. So the guy, the defender is coming towards me. And I just try to dink it over. So, like, if, if you're the defender – you're you're looking at me and you're seeing me go to throw. So what do you do? You jump. He jumps. He tips the ball, and it comes right back into my hands. Now, you're always taught if the if the ball is batted back to you, bat it down. You're not a, you're not a receiver. You're not a running back. So get rid of the ball. Bat it. All I could think about was I'm going to catch it and I'm going to score. And, I, and, and I'm being completely honest with you. I catch it. I, I juke a couple of guys. As I'm juking, I'm going backwards. I end up losing about eight yards. So my start to, to the second half of that game was much like the beginning and the end of the first half. We sucked. And I was just adding on to the sucking. And so when I, I posed the question to people, I don't like to, to to say I'm a Hall of Famer and all that stuff, but I'm like, what Hall of Fame receiver? What no? What who? What Hall of Famer that I complete my first pass to? A lot of people say Sterling Sharp, who's a South Carolina, who's not in the Hall of Fame, but should be. And I think most people assume he is, and he was my major receiver uh, that that part of my career. But um, no, I didn't complete it to him. I've had all kinds of, you know, most people just say, I, I, I don't know. I give up. And I go, me. And they go, me what? What do you mean? I go, I caught my first pass. They go, yeah, no way. I'm like, I did catch my first pass. So not many guys can say 
that they've caught their own pass, period. Not many guys, maybe only one, me, can say he caught his first pass. (laughs) Our first completion was to myself. Thanks a million for being our guest. It was beyond expectations. It was super funny. I did learn a few things about American football. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Really, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, thoroughly. I, much like Reggie Miller, I enjoy talking about, I, I don't mind talking about football, but uh, I would say my new passion uh, is, is cycling. So uh, I enjoy talking about it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. And what a week it was. A huge thanks to NFL legend Brett Favre for being our guest. Thanks for listening. And please, Give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Bellow News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Moza. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. One of the most fun parts about cycling is climbing. So why not try Garrett Thomas's athlete workout, Fun is Flying Uphill. A great pillar of any climber is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say, that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my friends the fitness I built at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.